We're back. I'm Drew McGarry. And I'm David Roth. And uh, coming in September 2020, a new site we have built together called... Defector. Defector, and we're going to have a new podcast to go with it. This very podcast, which has the name... The Distraction. It's out right now, and it's available everywhere else you get your podcast. At Stitcher, Spotify, Apple. Go listen right now to The Distraction everywhere. It's out right now. Go listen. See ya. Bye. It's an incredibly lonely feeling to see your significant other day in and day out, but not really see them. I can honestly say I see how people get to a point where they feel like they need a side piece. What? Don't look at me like that. I didn't say that I agree with it, but I said I understand. Dead ass. Hey, I'm Kadeen. And I'm DeVal. And we're the Ellises. You may know us from posting funny videos with our boys. And reading each other publicly as a form of therapy. Wait, I make you need therapy? Most days. Wow. <laughs> oh, and one more important thing to mention. We're married. Yes, sir, we mm-hmm. are. We created this podcast to open dialogue about some of life's most taboo topics. Things most folks don't want to talk about. Through the lens of a millennial married couple. Deadass is a term that we say every day. When we say deadass, we're actually saying facts. 100. The truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. <laughs> we about to take Pillow Talk to a whole new level. Deadass starts now. 2011, we just had Jackson, and I had made a conscious decision as a man that I was going to turn in my car, start taking the train, and focus on building the business. Kadeen was working full-time at Mac, and I felt like I was doing all the right things in my life as a husband, because this was going into a year of us being married. And for the next three years, Kadeen and I spent all of our time focusing on our business. She was building her business. We had a son, Jackson. I was building my business. And by 2014, I turned 30. And at that point, I had realized that it had been three years that I hadn't taken Kadeen on a vacation. We hadn't left the country. We hadn't gone to another state. We just hadn't done anything for ourselves to kind of pour into our relationships. And I had to take a step back and say, wow, how did how did I get to this point where I focused on everything in the relationship except the person who the relationship was supposed to be about? And at that point I had I realized like I was present, but I really wasn't present. That's when you say, wow, I'm surprised she didn't do XYZ. Me can you focus on me? I'm focused, baby. I'm focused. I'm focused. Baby, can you focus on me? Listen, y'all know I normally do karaoke. Did y'all sense the pain in my voice? Did y'all sense it? I sensed pain. You sensed pain, right? It was definitely pain in there. It was painful. It was, yeah, yeah, (laughs) very painful, very painful. But I got the point. I got to figure out whose idea this was for karaoke, because I swear, I can't hold a note if you hand it to me in the palm of my hand. (laughs) It's all right, though. But it's all good. That's why it's karaoke. Most people in karaoke can't sing. Can't sing. Add me to the list. But y'all get the point. We're back. Yes. Welcome back. Thank y'all for joining us again for season two. And here we are fast forwarding because we've been so busy this past summer with moving, our whole relocation, DeVal's been away filming in Atlanta. I've been with the kids in New York. It's just been insanity. So 
there were times when you came home for a weekend. Yeah. And I was just completely not in tune with you. And I was like, Deval, I don't want to hear about anything you need right now. What I need is for you to help me pack some boxes. I need you to help me do this with the kids, Listen, do that with the kids. And we had a kind of a rough spot this summer. This just summer you and was I. rough. Yeah. This summer was extremely rough. And and if you follow us, you could tell because we didn't even you know post as much content, not only because we were busy, but also because we weren't feeling each other. Right. Like, I, like I was not feeling Kadeem. She Absolutely. wasn't feeling me. We're talking about focus. Yes. Or lack thereof yes. of focus. I mean, her, she's talking about, I don't want to give up. I just want you to get up, get off your phone. I'm a little fed up. I just wish you would focus yes. on me. Absolutely. And there's so many times in our relationship, Deval and I have said, and we were able to admit that we have not been focusing with the intent to really dive into each other. No. Um, and we had an experience very recently mm-hmm. that triggered this entire episode, actually. Yeah, it was it was great. It was actually a really, really great episode, uh, a great we experience the, um, that we had. NFLPA Couples Retreat. Yes. And um, there was a young lady, I can't remember her name right yeah, now. I know Kaneen's going to try and pull it up. But um, yeah. she's an acting coach and an, act, and an actor. And uh, she put us through this process that they said that Actors who play married couples on television, they go through this process to build a connection. Yes. So she decided that she wanted to take that same exercise and apply it to marriages so that that people can actually see their partner that they're living with. Mm -hmm. So in the exercise, we had to face each other, you know, knees close together, hold each other's hands. We had to just look at each other's eyes and not say anything for like the first 90 seconds. Mm -hmm. And then within the first 20 seconds... Kadeen started crying. Guys, let me tell you. She pretty much was like, look at your partner, face them, make eye contact, and just look at them. See them. And in that moment, it hit me like a ton of bricks. I have not looked at my husband in his eyes and really saw him in so long. At first, I was like, damn, I make you cry when you just stare at me? Like, damn. <laughs> damn, what am I doing? No, it was a good cry. It was a good cry, and it was also kind of an alarming cry for me because it was yeah. like, shit, like you have not looked at your husband in his eyes and just t- taking a moment. And aside from just looking at you, it was just the idea of us not being distracted right, by, by anything. anything else. Right. There was no other outside noise. There were no children. There was no phone. There was... No social media. There was nothing. It was right. really being present with him. And though there were other couples in the room with us. It felt like there was nobody there. It felt like there was no one there. You know why that's important? People don't understand when you first start dating someone and you're in college and you're on scholarship and your girlfriend's on scholarship, there are no real world problems mm-hmm. that can interject themselves into your relationship. Right. So when you see that person, they're your escape. You know, my my issues at that time were football professors. Hers were residents because she was a resident director. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was school. It was internships. So when she got away from all of that, she came to me. Absolutely. So in order for me to get away from all of my football and stuff, I went to her. So we right. were each other's escape. Absolutely. And once you leave that aspect of life <laughs> and then you have bills, you have kids. You start getting get everything married, launched at you. like. That person In every which direction. that was once your escape mm-hmm. now becomes your obligation. Mm-hmm. And the funny part about it was that was the first time in a long time that you and I legitimately sat there and were each other's escape from everything. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. 
it was really, really an amazing weekend. We were there with a bunch of other couples and it was a safe space for us to really just kind of dive into each other and, yes. you know, reconnect. And the um the young woman's name was Navanya. Like yes. lasagna. Her name is uh, Navanya. I am Navanya on Instagram. I A M N E V A I N A. That was the young lady who uh, put yes. us through this process to kind of help us get back yes. to connecting. Yes. And um, it's funny because there's a song out that we were talking about doing karaoke. Kadeen and I were talking about um, possibly doing Weekend right. by SZA. Uh-huh. And she was like, um, why would we do Weekend by SZA? That's talking about. It's like side I was chicks. like, that's the whole infidelity episode. That's, that's what she said. And I said, <laughs> I said, for real, because yeah. it's real. Yeah. And she was like, what do you mean? I said, think about it. Most of the times when you come from where we came from, being each other's escape in college, and then you get married and you become each other's obligation, you're often now looking for the escape, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. you're looking for that 20 and the 80-20 rule, which has become so cliche, but you're looking for that escape. Mm-hmm. So after we left this NFLPA event, we mm-hmm. had a hotel room. And we enjoyed each other that night in every aspect of enjoying each other, as you can <laughs> Every believe, which way. Right? And it's funny because um, the young lady that was our um, contact for the NFLPA, Leslie, was like, y'all are going to want to stay for this session. Yes. Because our session was before hers. She's like, you're going to want to stay for this session. Yeah. And that baby that people are asking y'all for, <laughs> that little girl, just might happen tonight. And I was like, you know what? If that's the case, it was Let's meant to be. Stay. Let's just stay. And um, Navanya like lasagna. We're going to have to name that baby after you <laughs> if know. that's the case. And the funny part is was the next morning you had to get up to I get did. a facial. And I had to leave and fly back home mm-hmm. to be with the boys because I had to film the next day. Mm-hmm. And you woke up and you said, dang, I felt like I felt like you know I was your side piece because... You know, we we slept together last night. I woke up in the morning and had to leave before you woke up. Uh huh. I was like, oh, well, let me pack my bags. I showered and stuff. I was leaving the hotel. And I yeah. was like, oh my goodness, this feels like I, I feel like I'm leaving my little joint in the hotel. And you the know? thing is, it felt great. It did. It, it did. Felt great. It allowed us. We, like we missed each other, but we we escaped from everything that was bothering us. Right. And allowed each other to be each other's side pieces. Right. And the funny thing about it is, I could I could definitely understand how people look for that little bit of heaven outside mm-hmm. of their relationships. The no- or outside of the noise, yeah. Because as we got into life, we really did forget about each other. Yeah. There were days, and that goes back to the story that I told in story time. Um, I really did forget about you because I was so focused on my job of being a husband. Mm-hmm. So then my job of being a husband became so much more important than actually being connected to the person I'm supposed to be married to. And, and that, that leads me to a couple of questions that I, I came up with after oh. our exercise. Did you? Yes. Came up with a couple of questions. I, and I knew your mind wife. was working after that whole exercise. You were like, it was. This would be a good podcast and, episode. And I'm going to tell you why it was working because as a millennial married couple, mm-hmm. Historically, men don't share their feelings. Mm-hmm. So it's always about, oh, the men work too much. They don't pay attention to their wives. They're not focused on their wives. And as if vice versa doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. And also as if it's supposed to just be acceptable when it happens to a husband. Mm-hmm. And you and I have had many conversations where I felt like I don't have my wife. Yeah. And I wanted to ask these questions. And we can both, you know, we can both answer these questions. So the first question is Okay. Have I always been your escape? Always no. Okay. But you have been at certain points. Elaborate. So, I mean, we've been together for Mm -hmm. October will be 17 years. Mm -hmm. Um, And 
yes, a lot of times I look to you for like refuge. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if there's a ton of things going on at one time and I need to be able to to vent to you about certain things or you mm-hmm. being my sounding board for things if I'm at the crossroads with a decision mm-hmm. that has to be made or just life, a lot of times that happens. But I do feel like sometimes I unfairly unload a lot onto you. I agree. I agree. And don't reciprocate in that when you do some unloading, I am not as active in trying to find a way to help you deal with that. Ooh, I, I, and it may I be, would, yeah, I would have to agree on that. And it may be because sometimes I'm just so self-absorbed and selfish in that moment, which I can now admit that, but mm. having had arguments with you and in conversations and upon in conversations, um, but, but I've come on. to realize that sometimes I'm but not that, that. But that's more me telling why you weren't, I want to know when, at what point, because that leads me to my second question, at what point did I stop being your escape? Like, at what point in our relationship did it go from, okay, I can leave DeVal from class, I can leave class and go mm-hmm. run to DeVal and just be in heaven, to it's like, oh, DeVal's calling me. <laughs> like, at what point did that happen in our relationship? Okay, so I think, you know what, I'll be honest, it probably happened after our first child. Because I feel like at that point now I had to divide my time with okay. you, and I was becoming mom and wife. Okay. And you were so focused on being husband and provider, like you said in your story, mm-hmm. that things became very methodical with you. And it was just like, yeah, well, that would be nice, but I have to go to the gym and I have to do this and I have to do that. So I was caught between a crossroad of feeling super like I respected your hustle and your grind. Okay. So I felt like I couldn't complain because I was like, here I am able to stay home with our son, you know, mm. leave my job after Jackson was a year and a half. Mm. Um, Deval afforded me the opportunity to say, hey, I don't enjoy this workspace anymore. Um, I want to be home with my son. And you made it pretty much single-handedly possible for me to be able to leave that environment and then be at home with our son and be um a sole caretaker of you guys. So you so but you- then in turn you were working so much that at that point I felt like I couldn't even get the Deval that I remembered in college or Deval okay. who used to I just have fun so, with. So, right, so allow me to kind of receive this. So you appreciated what I offered, but it was my prioritizing and not my ability not to balance me being a provider right. and being there right. emotionally. Absolutely. Okay. And I felt like so I was going to be it. a brat. Like how, how could I, you know... That, living that, the lifestyle I was living at the time. Not like right. it was anything super elaborate, but I had everything I needed and right. most of the things I wanted. And you were providing that. So how could I then in turn be like, well, you don't spend no time with me. I want you to stay home with me. And, you know, let's just sit here and do nothing together and enjoy each other and just be. A lot of times that's how- We that's couldn't how, be. You know, and this is this leads us to a bigger conversation because that's, just to answer that, that, that question, you know, go back and forth. But that's how I felt as a man trying to be a provider. You know, like- you hear all the time, it's like, yo, be a man. Your wife is having a baby. Be a man. Man, I'm go up there, do the right thing. And when you're trying to do the right thing and you're spending time building a business so that your wife can be a mom and have the autonomy over her life to make a choice of whether she wants to work or not, and then you hear, well, you don't spend no time with me. It's mm-hmm. like, yo, so what am I supposed to do? You want me, you want me <laughs> exactly. to be home? All right, I can be home and spend time with you, but now you may have to go to work. Right. Now, you know what I'm saying? So for, for right. me- as a man, it felt like, damn, I, I'm damned if I do. Mm-hmm. I'm damned if I don't. Absolutely. And you know, and that kind of that kind of put us at at odds a lot right. when we were going through that, you know, that time in our space. And that that leads me to the next question. Well, I mean, is, let me hear you. We can we can go back and forth on this. Okay. You know, like you interrogate me over here or something. I have, yeah, because I got questions. <laughs> I got questions. Clearly, young you lady. do. Clearly, you do. <laughs> no, I mean, um, 
have I always? Well, I know I haven't always been your no, escape, so you I can't even ask that question with a straight face. I know I haven't um, always been your escape. Um, at what point did it stop for you? This is going to sound funny, right? Because when you you stopped being my escape when I put pressure on myself to be a provider. How? Okay. When we were in college, right, mm-hmm. I felt no obligations. Mm-hmm. You were on scholarship, I was on scholarship. You, you know, there was nothing that needed to get done because our lives were taken care of. Once I started playing football and I felt the the need to have to take care of you because you had to live with me, mm-hmm. we had to pay bills, at that point you were no longer just an escape. Because then you became my responsibility. Responsibility, like it was like, yo, I asked you to move to Detroit with me, right? Because you were still in school. I didn't think this is what I have to do, right? And that was of no fault of your own, right? But I was conditioned to feel like this is on me, and at that point, it wasn't it wasn't as much fun anymore. Oh, so this all wasn't my fault then? No, I'm not. I'm not going to sit here and throw (laughs) it on you. Thought that no, I'm not going to one that dropped the ball here. I'm not going to throw it all on you. You know what I'm saying? There were times where I felt like you were being a brat, and times where you made you made yourself an obligation to me. Mm -hmm. Um, But I felt like I put that on myself, and I felt like I let society tell me as the man I have to do all of these things. And you have to take care of her, almost like you were a child almost. Mm-hmm. And at that point, you weren't my escape no more. Right. Because you were at home waiting for me to come home. Right. And then I got home and then all you had was stuff for me to do. Right. And then um, I remember one time in particular where you were up for the reporter search. Mm-hmm. And Kadeen is very spoiled, guys. And she had kept winning and she kept going. It started with 400 people and she was into the top 100, then the top 50, then the top... 20 and it got to a point where she had to go back every day and it was a competition. You got to tell them the backstory this though. Was for so Fox. I was no, I was going for WDIV in Detroit. Yes. At the time they were doing a traffic reporter search. So they right. pretty much had a bunch of people come to a mall and um from that they were picking people who they thought had the possibility of right. gaining, you know, getting this job. Right. So I made it from like I forget how many people auditioned, like 400 and something people, down to like top 10. And then I was in like the last Because this five. is the thing. This is what you do, as you can tell. Yeah, you hear her after voice, I went she's... to school for broadcasting. So I was like, all right, this is... A... And then at the time, I had left everything in New York to come to Detroit right. to be with you at this point. So I was just like, well, I feel like at this point, I'm obligated to find a job because what I'm not going to do is sit at home and just like not do anything. And I appreciated that. Right. I appreciate that because there was a point in our relationship there where we were at a crossroads where we were like, are you going to live with me? Because you didn't want to be... She told me she didn't want to be the girl, the live-in girlfriend while I was playing ball. Like She just felt like that was just not the role she wanted to take. Right. So she wanted to work. She wanted to get back out in the workforce. Yeah, so I, I appreciated that. that. Yeah. But, and I'm not spoiled. I was oh, just, I was oh just let me finish the story. Let me finish I, the story. Can I finish my story? Certain Can I finish things. my story? You, you, said, you said I could jump in, finish right, my story. <laughs> now you're not letting me All right, they finish got the my story. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> so now she's in the top 10, right? Uh-huh. Every couple of days, she has to go back in mm-hmm. and film. Mm-hmm. So she needed a new outfit. Mm-hmm. At the time, we lived in Fairlawn. The, in the, Dearborn, Michigan. Dear, Dear, Dearborn, Michigan. But what was the name of the, the mall? It was Fairlane. 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 It was Fairlane, Fairlane Mall. Mall yep. We lived in a housing complex across the street from Fairlane Mall. So every time she won, I said, let's go to Fairlane and get you an outfit. That wasn't enough for my accustomed wife. She had to go to the huge mall 20 miles away. 
in a different part of Michigan because yes. they had more stores. They did have more they stores. They had the Gucci, the Fendi, the Louis stores. It didn't have to be expensive wares. I just needed more selection. Fair I, Lane was like the hood spot. It was like the King's Plaza. If you, y'all know New York, it was like the King's son, Plaza versus like Roosevelt Field Mall. Listen to <laughs> me. Know? She so. says she's not spoiled. Somebody can't find a whole outfit in a whole mall. It's not spoiled. They weren't appropriate outfits. So, there were some people, and this is what happened. This is what I told her. And I said, this is what she was like, you, know, you make her talking to me like I'm a child. She was like. Because <laughs> he's good for that. I said. That's good for that. I said, I said, there's somebody you're competing against right now who does not live across the street from the mall, <laughs> who does not have the means to go to the mall every time they win, and that's who you're competing against. All right, Father so, Abraham so had many you, sons and daughters. You can figure, I said, you can figure out what you got in this closet or we can go to the mall. <laughs> Right, and I was like, nobody going to take you to the mall every time. And she said to me, my mom would take me to uh, the mall. She would. She would because she you spoiled. Would have. At that point, <laughs> you felt like an obligation because I still had practice. Right. I still had. I was still playing professional football. I was like, bro, just give me the card and I'll go on my own. That wasn't right. <laughs> and that was not. He knew early on. Mad. He was like, oh damn, oh damn. So how do we deal with this reality of what it is, not being each other's escapes? I mean, oh, we, man. like y'all know, we speak very candidly to each other, and we've said time and time again, this is like our therapy session. So us being able to speak candidly about this um, is not a problem. And now that we know that this is the reality, how do we deal with this? Well, the first thing is we have to talk about how it affected our relationship. When you stop becoming someone's escape and you become their obligation, things start to go away. And the first thing that goes away is intimacy. Yeah. We weren't hugging. We weren't kissing. We weren't smiling. We weren't watching movies together. So that connection was gone. Yes. So with that connection being gone, intimacy at all was gone. We right. weren't having sex yeah. like that. Like We weren't feeling each other in that way. I think over the course of our relationship, we have several points where we felt disconnected. Yes. And we've been able to say it. And you may have felt disconnected to me in certain you know points. Right. And then vice versa. And then... A lot of times, too, I would look at you and be like, damn, I didn't even realize like right. we haven't hugged or kissed in however many days. Or I didn't realize that we were actually disconnected. Or do you feel that way? Because I'm one that gets very involved in like the day-to-day, -day, like, oh, my God, we have this to get done, that to get done, the house, the kids, that. you know. And there's so many things that go through my mind that I just kind of move from day-to-day -day sometimes of and not really soak in and stop to smell the roses, you know, to say, quote, unquote. Because I feel like of the two of us— I am more aware of when we're not intimate. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really the gauge. And she always AKA says it's about sex. AKA Val knows that when it's been two, three days that we haven't had sex. That's no, what that's, that is. That's not only, that's, well, that that ultimately is the gauge of how we know. Uh-huh. But it happens before that. I've said to you before, like, how many days you going to come here and watch the movie with me and just fall asleep? Mm -hmm. And that's even before sex becomes an issue. Right. I get an attitude where I'm like, when's the last time we've been to the movies? When's the last time we watched the show? Mm -hmm. When's the last time you've given me a hug? I'll say those things before right. that. And then when it's like, yo, we ain't have sex in three days, then you're like, oh, it's always about sex. <laughs> I'm like, no, it's not just about sex. But you hate when I bring up sex. Right. You get very defensive when I bring up well, sex. Well, I mean, too, because sometimes for me, intimacy does not have to lead to that. But we've spoken about that on past episodes yeah. where, you know, sometimes the intimacy for me can just be like looking in your eyes the way I did the other day or just, you know, yeah, that holding nice. each other's hand and yeah, laying sounds, next to each that other. That sounds nice. Gentlemen, don't that sound nice <laughs> to you? Yeah. But that's what yeah. I want sometimes. Sometimes uh, I don't want all the extra stuff. I just want to like, you know, but sometimes be you, that I don't young, even get giddy that, girl. though. Like yeah. sometimes, and and you've admitted to it. Sometimes you'll say, "Dang, it's been two weeks and we haven't hugged." Right. 
That that's a problem. That's, that's a problem. That's pretty. Sad. That has nothing to do with sex. I right. asked you like, when's the last time you've hugged me? Right. Or even even more important, because you know how I am about my food. I'm like, when's the last time you woke up in the morning and just made me breakfast? Uh huh. Deval gets hangry. It's been weeks. I get super hangry. Deval gets That don't got nothing to do with sex. But I'm like, yo, when's the last time you made me bacon, egg, and cheese on cinnamon raisin like you used to? And then you'll be like, fine, Val, fine. (laughs) Then she'll make it. And I'm like, I don't want this version of this bacon, egg, and cheese. I want the the real one that you used to make in college. Right. But you were um, a couple pounds. You were trying to gain weight now. Now you don't want no dad bod. So I can't be making you bacon, (laughs) bacon, egg, and cheese like I used to. We're both on a a health kick. So So, you know what's funny, though? Because we we missed this question. What was your first response to this revelation? Uh The first response to, to this, for me, is to shut down. The, the first response for me telling you that... No, my first... To the revelation that we're not connected and to the revelation that you are no longer my escape, you become oh, my obligation. Oh. My first revelation is to shut down. Right. Because I don't want to feel like a burden. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, you know, I'm not going to say nothing. I'm just going... I mean, that makes sense because no, no one wants to feel like they're being obligated to because then it loses its authenticity and then it's not organic anymore. And we've said that before. Like, it, right. you don't want to feel like now Kadeen has to put on... For us to then be connected. But then I notice that nothing happens. Mm-hmm. Because if I don't make you aware that I feel a certain way and I just shut down and you're used to us moving like ships in the night, mm-hmm. we just continue to move like ships in the night. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? My first response to the revelation would be like, oh shit, how do, how do I salvage this now at this point? Because usually when it gets to that point, I know you're already in your feelings about it. You're upset to mm-hmm. an extent. Um, and it's really like a kind of cleanup for me. Like, damn, how am I going to now salvage this and clean up what? This mess that right. we pretty much made. Um, so it's like it, it, so how do you it deal happens with that? in waves for us. But but that's but that's what leads us to the fourth question. How do you deal with that reality? When you realize that I'm no longer your escape, mm-hmm. what do what do you do? What do you say to me to make me realize that? I mean, usually at that point, um, I then have a desire to want to connect as soon as possible or as, as fast as possible. Mm-hmm. And for me, I can start right in that moment and be like, you know what? Let's just put everything aside and and do it. You don't necessarily operate that way. No. I feel like you're you you're kind of you want to be upset. Deval likes nobody, to be upset. Nobody want to be upset. Deval like, likes to be upset. And he likes to just about? like you know be dramatic and no. he'll, he'll leave the room and I have to go follow him out the room and then he'll like <laughs> text me from the other room and then I have to come and it's like a back and forth. Like no. he likes this whole dramatic. Like no, he's nobody defi- wants to do that. My husband is definitely an actor and he'd be practicing his chops with me all the time oh, because I swear gosh. sometimes I'm just like bruh. Nobody wants to be dramatic, Bruh. but I also just don't want to <laughs> argue. So I got to let you know that I'm upset without talking about it. Because you Here's, you like to argue. Deva- you I, like to argue, yo. I despise. It's the most exhausting, most draining thing is having to argue with you. So if I can avoid an argument with you, I am going to avoid it. That's why I'm like, you know what? Let's let bygones be bygones. I'm at the point now. And let's I'm gonna, just I'm going to put my husband voice on start and say, fresh. I'm going to say... You know what, baby? You right. You got Don't it. patronize me. Because you starting to argue right Don't now. Don't patronize me. It is not an argument. It is a, it's a discussion. Everything Deval wants to label as an argument. Things don't have to be an argument. It can require just simply discussing it. Okay, baby. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> Moving on. Anyway, so after the whole retreat that we were on, it really got us to thinking about what are the ways that we can now show those levels of intimacy or the levels of being seen again that we've either kind of, you know, have fell by the wayside over the years or are just non-existent. Um, So what are some things 
in addition to the bacon, egg, and cheese, but excluding sex. Just little things. Excluding sex. You hear how she said excluding sex? Because we beat that dead horse so much. The, the dead horse is never, it's always beat for a woman. It's oh never goodness. beat for a man. And it's never beat for a woman when another woman is involved when oh we're talking my about God. sex. That's I'm just a whole being other honest. podcast episode. But it's the truth though. Women want to downplay the role of sex until we start talking about sex with someone else. You can't say excluding sex because it's convenient. But then if I say, all right, I'm going to talk to this other woman and do all this stuff, but we're not going to talk about the sex we had. We're going to talk about all the other intimate ways. You wouldn't, you wouldn't I'm be talking about it in the that. context of this relationship, uh, this segment that we're talking about now. We already touched on sex. We touched on the bacon, egg, and cheese. So what are other ways that intimacy can be involved where I can show you that I'm in tune with you well, other than bacon, egg, and cheese, and sex? That's what I said. Well, this is the, big, this is the biggest thing. All right. First of all, men want to feel wanted. Okay. The same way women want to feel wanted. Mm-hmm. You know, women talk about it all the time. I want to feel pretty. I want to. Feel... Men want to feel as if the the person that they chose to spend the rest of their life with wants them all the time. You know what I'm saying? You don't. You don't want to ever feel dismissed in your own home. Agreed. And that really has not not everything to do with sex, but you want to feel good. Like you want to. You want to feel like, damn, my woman wants me. So, what would that entail for you? What are some Things that I can do or things that I've maybe done in the past that I don't do anymore that shows a level of intimacy that shows, you know what, Kadeen is tuned into me. Kadeen sees me. Or maybe there's some things that you desire from me that you don't get. Yeah, well, I mean, that also comes with change because, I mean, I've changed over time and you've changed over time. So the first thing is communicating Mm -hmm. those things. But it's just, it's small things. Like you walk in the house, you've been at work all day, right? A hug would be nice. Mm -hmm. A kiss. Not the garbage, <laughs> you know, not just the valley's boxes need to be taken out. There's certain things you just want to walk, walk in your home and feel welcomed. Like there's no, if you do this all the time, mm-hmm. I'll feel we're more intimate. Mm-hmm. There has to be a presence there. Mm-hmm. And and for me, I feel like it should be your job as my wife to work on figuring those things out for me. Like if I got to put down a laundry list and give it to you, mm-hmm. I'm dating myself. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. for me, I try to focus on the things that make you feel good as a woman. And I myself try to make sure that I know those things so you don't have to constantly tell me. As a man, it's annoying to constantly tell your wife all the things you need. Nobody want to do that. Right. I mean, you know vice versa. Yeah, exactly. I wouldn't want to have to give you a list of things either too. I completely get that. I understand it. But socially, it's been on the man to be like, know your woman, know your woman. But it's never been vice versa. They don't normally tell women, you know, pay attention to your man's feelings and his needs because that was seen as not masculine. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It was seen as not masculine. You're a man, man up. If your wife don't want to do this, man up and deal with it. It's like, that doesn't work. Mm-hmm. It really doesn't work. You want your wife to know, and right. you don't really want to have to say it, right? You know. So you'd be happy if you know you come home from work and I just like you know what? There's a ton of stuff in the house to be done, but let's just let all that fall by the wayside for just for tonight, and we can just be. We that can would exist. that would feel good sometimes. We can because... sit and watch a show, or we can. No, I'm, I'm going to be honest. That would feel good sometimes because that shit is never going to end. Like, there's always stuff to do in the house. Right. So the minute I walk in the house and you're telling me shit they got to get done, tomorrow there's going to be more shit they got to get done. So <laughs> mm-hmm. just just saying like, well, there's always stuff that got to be done so we don't have to worry about the intimacy, that, that's not a good excuse. Because that wasn't an ex- a good enough excuse for me mm-hmm. when I was doing it to you. It's not fair that because I'm trying to build this, I can forget about all the things my wife needs. Right. That's not fair. Right. Because That's I saw true. how you... I can dial it back and think of that time when I felt like damn, yeah. you just literally coming in, coming out, and not doing. Anything and I was that definitely I guilty of of not only that, but throwing responsibilities on you and saying stuff like, "Well, you're my wife. You're supposed to make sure this is done." Right. That shit's not cool. Like husbands shouldn't do that to their wives neither. Right. You know, even even making sex an obligation. Mm-hmm. 
You no, oh, there's nothing worse than obligated. Now you want to talk about sex, right? You <laughs> see that? Saying. You see his guys? <laughs> now she want to talk about sex. But, I was um, just co-signing off of what you said. I mean, I for you, me, little things that I'd like to see now. It's funny because up until maybe like a couple months ago, the thought of having anybody touch me un- unwanted or unnecessarily uh-huh. was like, just please don't touch me. And I think that's because I went from having Cairo. Mm-hmm. And then when he was six months Old, I got pregnant again. So I had a baby in me and then on me breastfeeding. And then I was had a baby in me again while I was breastfeeding right. Cairo. And then I had another baby and he was breastfeeding. So Cass, and it was literally somebody always touching me. I got you. And there was a while, there was for a minute, I was like, could, could, could somebody just not touch me? But now I feel like postpartum is a distant past. Mm-hmm. And I want you to start touching me again. But not. Uh, you see that sound bite? I just took that sound bite. I'm gonna require. I'm gonna have to put that on a loop. I'm gonna have them put that on a loop, and I'm gonna just play it. I want you to start touching me again. I want you to touch. I can hear it now. I can hear it now. I'll repeat. But no, and not touching necessarily with the intent to just oh, it's going to be. I would love for you to just like you know. I love when you just like grab my shoulders mm-hmm. and my back or give me a massage because you know mm-hmm. I've been in the gym. <laughs> so you know. Um, but no, like a little massage every now and mm-hmm. again, or just pulling me close to you, or like when you used to hoist me up on top of the countertop. Mm-hmm. You like that. I like little things like, like that. that. Exactly. And those little things are reminders like, okay, I, I still got it. And, you know, my husband's right. still looking at me. And, you so know, me, so me, I'm giving you the green light to do that again. So let me tell you something, all right? What's up? Physiologically, uh-huh. when I hoist you up on the counter, <laughs> you're not the only thing that goes up. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say because you don't want to talk about sex. Just want you to keep that in mind. All right? I, I get it. I, I just, get it. <laughs> just but I'm just saying, little things like that would be cute. It would be but cute. I, but I have a question for you, right? Yeah. People want to know, mm-hmm. is monogamy the answer? Now, the answer they to what? It's <laughs> <laughs> okay, a loaded so, ass question. I know. For some people, monogamy is not the answer because you're that, never going to find that one person that's going to do everything that you want all the time. Right. So the question was, was monogamy the answer for us two? Mm-hmm. Right? I'll answer this because well, a lot of times it's for men. They want to know because men seem to be the ones that want to go out there and explore. Right. All right. Monogamy. And I'll answer for me. You can answer for you. Okay. But monogamy is the answer for me, mm-hmm. but it's not for the reasons that people think. Okay. Right? I want to be monogamous because I feel like I'm my best version of myself when my focus can be on one person. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I'm big on legacy. I'm big on family. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the the most healthiest way for me and the children is if I do it with just one person. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Right. I have things that I want to do for myself. And it's the most selfish thing because people say, oh, if you're not being monogamous, you're being selfish. I think I'm being monogamous. I'm being selfish by wanting to be monogamous mm. because I really am thinking about myself. Mm. I want to be great in every other aspect of my life. So I need that focus to be there. So I need to be focused on one person to build the legacy of family with. So for me, monogamy works for me mm-hmm. because that's what I want out of my life. Right. I don't think monogamy works for everybody. Right. I honestly don't. <laughs> right. I don't. I really don't. I agree. I agree. I mean, for me, monogamy is the I don't think, I think even if I was not married to you, I would probably still, I'm like a serial monogamous. Okay. Like even because prior that's what to you. Want. Yeah, that's what I right. want. I'm just, I don't think I would be the one that's just kind of into like juggling and being out and being around. I'm a little bit more of a homebody, especially right. now. You know, so I just, I don't think for me that, um, you know, being out there playing the field as a female was going to be my speed anyway. Right. Um, I agree too. Monogamy is not the answer for everyone. 
um, the attention that you have to put. Because I've said to you time and time mm-hmm. and t- time and time again, if I'm not trying to be with you and invest time in you, I don't have time for nobody else either. I hear you. So I it's just you. like you know, what what do I look like not being monogamous with you, but then find, finding time for other people? If that's the case, I could just pour it back into you and really work on what matters. I agree with that. I, you know, I agree with that. so I have a question. So, um, what's your thoughts on having a side piece? Don't go there with me again because you know this whole side piece conversation then came up before. I already and said. And it got us into some issues. Listen. You know, so. I already said, though, that I'm good on being monogamous. Right. But I want to know your thoughts yeah. on just a side piece. Does does that work for some people? <sighs> what do you think? Oh, man. That, that's a case-by-case case situation. Everything is a case-by-by-case. Case. I'm not talking. Don't give a blanket answer. No. I, what are your thoughts on just having a side piece? I just think a side piece is... <laughs> too messy. Mm. I think um, there's too much risk involved with side pieces. Mm. I think that um, it's just too, I just too messy. Like me, I just can't, <laughs> I can't, this is I what can't I think. process the whole side piece thing. I mean, this is what I think. Uh, okay. I can't. I feel like we are in, it's 2019. Mm-hmm. It's a completely different time mm-hmm. than when marriage was first constructed. Mm-hmm. So we exist now in a time where the traditional values of marriage and what being a husband and a wife realistically do not exist anymore. Mm-hmm. Ma- marriage was constructed during a time when women were just considered property. I always say that. Women now make, if not as much, more money in certain t- areas than men, especially black women. Mm-hmm. Black women are making a ton of money, mm-hmm. right? So think about it. If you're a black woman who's all about your career, you don't really want to be married. You don't really want to be a mom and you just want to have your freedom sexually, right? That may work for someone like that. So that may work for for that woman that you just described. It would work for her to be a side piece. No, it, it, to no. somebody that's married. No, I'm not. I'm not saying she has to choose to be a side piece. But what if she? What if she gets? She's involved with someone. Maybe they're not married. But she's like, I got my own time. I got my own things I want to do. But if he want to go get his, he can go get his. Well, I mean, in that case, I don't think she'd be a side piece. It was just I that didn't say you know. She had, but, oh, but that guy you... would have to have a side piece. You see what I'm saying? If they're in a relationship, okay. her and a guy, but she's like, hey, I'm not going to be around for a couple months. I'm working on this, blah, 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 blah. Do what you got to do. Just be safe. That okay. guy would need a side piece. Right? I mean, if, I mean, yeah. She can choose whether she wants to be If the that's the understanding person. they had, like, it depends on who's the main person and who's not. Because right? she could potentially be the side piece if that's all she's in for is a good time every now and again, which she has total control over that and autonomy mm-hmm. over her life. That's great. But it depends on, like, I don't know if he's going to have somebody stationary at home with him and then she just sees her on the on the weekends, why, like but, the song says. I don't but know. That's why I say it goes from a case-to-case basis because there are different there are different social yep. constructs and socioeconomic conditions that exist in 2019 mm-hmm. that didn't exist back in the day. Right. And some people don't want to exist in that mold of what it is to be a wife or a husband. Right. And if someone is happy having sex freely with different people or being polyamorous or, or dealing with polygamy, I don't feel like we as a society should judge them. Agreed. May, that may not work for me. Agreed. But if you feel like being a side piece, and that's not just a woman thing. Mm-hmm. They are dudes who are professional side dudes. That's They go to work. They make their money. They, they don't want to deal with no woman's issues. But hey, she wants to get some little penis on the side. <laughs> I'm going to drop some dick off and I'm going to leave. <laughs> She, her husband can deal with whatever Drops issues. Drop some dick yeah. off and leave. I'm serious because wow. some some people don't want to deal with the, all the issues that that go with a relationship. And I think some people in in their mind may think, okay, it makes sense if X Y Z is not happening at home, I can get a side piece, and it'll strictly be that. But then what happens when feelings get involved and things that you thought were going to be strictly platonic or strictly sexual then become more than that? 
it, it just gets way too complicated. Relationships are and complicated. I don't have... And you know how you avoid that? With honesty and communication, the same way you have to be honest and communicate in a in a monogamous relationship. So honestly saying, you're the side piece, this is what you're doing, this is your role, play yeah. your role. The bottom line is, it. when you're dealing with human beings, honesty and communication solves all problems. Mm-hmm. The only time people get hurt is when they're deceitful, mm-hmm. when you lie, when you have an ulterior motive. Mm-hmm. But when you're honest from the beginning... Mm-hmm. You give that person a choice. I think that works in some circumstances. And in some circumstances, there are unforeseen things that may occur or happen that then can potentially cause issues. That too. happens in a monogamous relationship so, as well. Yeah. My thing is, there's no rule that says a monogamous relationships work out more than polyamorous no, because that's true. the divorce rate is above 50%. There definitely is no holier-than-thou situation here when it comes to and monogamous relationship because we have our fair share of issues too. So my thing is, if you can work through your issues in a monogamous relationship, you can work through your issues in a polyamorous situation. Mm-hmm. All those people just got to be honest. I know. You I know guess it just it just complicates things more when, okay, for example, you and I have an issue. We're in a monogamous relationship. It's between you and I. But then when you have a side piece or a side side piece or a side dude or whatever, then it just... It in- incorporates another human being's feelings and and whatever they got to say. Like it just makes it that much more difficult because it's just that many more people communicating. I understand, or that. not. But it works. So. It works in business. If you're honest and you live a hundred percent in your truth, mm-hmm. there's no wrong in how you live your life because you give the people around you the opportunity to make choices. You see what I'm saying? I see. If I decide at some point that hey, I don't want to live like this no more, and I'm honest with you. Mm-hmm. And I say, this is what I want to do. You then have a choice. Right. If I'm going to deceive you, then that's wrong. So I have a choice to like shackle you to my bed and never let you go. Well, then you taking away my choices. (laughs) Damn it. (laughs) You have no choices here, Deval. Okay. (laughs) They get it, Kadeen. I belong Uh. to you. All right. (laughs) Why don't you just put a barcode with numbers on my forearm? That's a good idea. Now we're going to get into some listener letters right after these ads. This for the record. There it is. A win for the ages. Tiger Woods is one of our most awe-inspiring sports icons. And his story, it comes with many chapters. I am deeply sorry for my irresponsible and selfish behavior. But here it is. The return to glory. This is All-American. A new series from Stitcher, hosted by me, Jordan Bell. You realize Tiger Woods doesn't know who he is. Best in the history of golf. No question in my mind. And this season, with the help of journalist Albert Chen, we're asking. What if the story of Tiger Woods that the media has been telling, what if it's been completely wrong? All-American Tiger is out now. Listen in Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast app. All right, now we're back. Let's get into those listener letters you guys have been writing in, and we picked two good ones for today. So let's talk about uh, this first one. You both have been honest about the fact that you took breaks early in your relationship. Can you elaborate on what your breaks looked like and how long they lasted? My boyfriend and I are in our early 20s, and he recently told me he needed to take a break so he can figure out what he wanted. I know it's necessary, but I'm very hurt and worried that we won't be able to come back after the break is over. Is there any advice that you can give? Man, this sounds this sounds like us. I mean, yeah. Like in, in college. Early middle 20s, of college, yeah. early 20s. Um, yeah. 
Absolutely. Kadeen and I were definitely at that point. We were living together mm-hmm. and things were becoming a little bit stressful because we were changing mm-hmm. and we both had a little bit more priorities at that point. But I'm going to be honest, I knew that I loved Kadeen, but I also feared that I didn't experience what it was like to be a single man. We met at 18. Mm-hmm. So at this point now, I was 21 and I was just like, I've, I've never dated. I've never really dated any other women. How do I know Kadeen is the one? So we had a conversation and I was like, yo, I think we need to take a break. Like we're not talking right now. You know, we're not really feeling each other. I think this might be the point where we needed to take a break. Yeah. I think the honesty in it is great that he was able to even say to you. Um, I think that's pretty mature to say, you know what, I need a break to be able to just see what's out there, explore. And I'm not sure what the terms of the break are, meaning is that he just wants to date other people or is it that he needs time to himself? It really right. depends on what it is. But Deval and I very early on knew how much we cared about each other, knew right. how much we loved each other. Um, but you have those moments where you're trying to grow within the confines of a relationship and it's not it's kind of unfair to yourself because you're growing trying to think about somebody else mm-hmm. at the same time. And in turn, that can stunt your growth in certain areas. Yeah. Um, it's healthy to be able to have those breaks. And I do understand the worry and the concern you have thinking, you know, you may not get back together or yeah. what if things go astray. Um, but I think it's better you find out earlier, if anything. Absolutely, absolutely. You know what I mean? Don't string it on to the point where then there's resentment that tends to build Ooh, years good, and yeah, years into it. One. Because, you know, we've dealt with that where we've had resentment and not necessarily towards each other because we never really held each other to the, you know, the confines of this relationship and you can't have a break and you right. can't decide if you want to like do other things. Um but yeah, the resentment still built kind of towards ourselves, where you kind of get mad at yourself sometimes, Val, and I, I get mad at myself. myself. Like, damn, I should have taken some time to really just be on my own. Like, And the funny thing is, our parents told us that. I know absolutely. your mom told you, you need to focus more on you. Yep. My mom definitely told me I was moving too fast yes. at 18, 19 with a girlfriend in college. My dad, too, was just like, you know, like, like bro, you know, you're in college. Why don't you just explore a little bit? Right. And I didn't understand at that point no. what that looked like. But this is one thing I'll say as far as creating a break. One thing we didn't do when we took a break was we didn't tell everybody that we were taking a break. Right. Because it wasn't anybody else's business. Right. And the reason why I say that is because once you, you allow people to know what's happening or you put them on alert, everything that happens in your relationships, they mm-hmm. start looking for things. Mm-hmm. So all we did was say to each other, like, listen, we need to take a break, take a time, take some time away from each other. I'm going to start staying in my room. You stay in your room. If we want to talk to someone else, you let me know you're talking to someone. I'll let you know I'm talking to someone mm-hmm. and we'll move accordingly. Right, exactly. And then some people feel the opposite. They feel like if it's a break, it should be a clean break. And I don't need to let you know what's going on while I'm on my break and vice versa. But again, that's that stipulation that you have to create within the right. confines of your relationship. No one can do that for you. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think it's necessary sometimes for growth because you'll be able to see what it is that you want. He can see mm-hmm. what he wants. Um, and then you guys go accordingly from there. But be, being able to have the conversation in your early 20s about something like this, I think is amazing. The honesty. You know, the honesty in it. My, I, my parents, his parents both kind of warned us about it. Even we had aunts and uncles yeah. that said that we shouldn't have gotten so serious so fast. But then at the same time, too, you feel like you know everything in that moment. You and know, you we're don't. just like, yeah, and you don't. We're just like, damn, y'all was right. And it's kind of like this vicious cycle that tends to happen because I tell the same thing to my siblings. I'm sure my, yeah. you know, when the kids get my, our kids get older, we'll tell them yeah. the same things. And you kind of have to learn for yourself. But um, but yeah, hang in there, guys. And you know, and just know that everything you think you know, you don't know. So yeah. don't think you're running out of time because you're early twenties. Like you, you got time. You but got the break time, is healthy. Boo. Just be honest with each other. Absolutely. And it's funny because that leads us to the next question, uh-huh. which leads us to a wife. Okay. <laughs> I am a wife and a mother of six. And sometimes, I, ooh, ooh, whoa, six. That's just that number. Just okay. <laughs> I was like, what happened? And I saw six too. Yeah, I was six. like, oh, six. <laughs> and right, sometimes girl. I feel like my husband wants to pay more attention to our kids than me. 
We barely ever get our our one-on-one time. And his response is, we have all the time to do what we want uh, when they get out the house. So my question to you is, am I overreacting for nothing? Damn, y'all don't got no time. Y'all got six kids. <laughs> there is no time with six kids. Oh, my goodness. Um, I understand where she's coming from because I, I, I tell you that. I do, too. However... I think it's a bit extreme by him saying when the kids get out the house. I think what a lot of people fall victim to. That's 18 years. I exactly. And I know I fall victim to it too sometimes, thinking that you always have time. And then God forbid something tragic happens or you know, something happens where you realize, damn, I don't have the time that I thought I had. And the relationship and the children started with you two. Yes. So you have to be able to make time to pour into that. That is so extremely necessary. You're not overreacting, sis. You guys need to find a sitter. I don't know if I, I have to divvy up six kids. How much you, you got to pay somebody to you watch take six two, kids, though? You take two. I was thinking the same thing. That's how I was like, divvy them up. You know, see if grandma will take two, auntie will take two, divvy them up, do what you got to do. Or see somebody come to the house to watch them. But you guys need your time together. And you cannot wait until the kids are at the house. That's way too far. And that's way too much time for you two to disconnect and completely drift apart. So and I would not be an advocate for waiting that long. Allow me to provide some perspective. You have six kids. One or maybe two of them kids bound to be fucked up. <laughs> Which means what does they that not mean? I'm listening. <laughs> that means they're not gonna be out of the house at 18. Oh. One of them gonna be living there till late 30s. <laughs> so he Tim telling you that they y'all have plenty of time when the kids are gone. That ain't gonna happen, yo. No. I seen it with parents with two kids. One of them kids is fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> and they're gonna be living there. Well into their 30s. Why they got to be fucked up? So, though? Maybe they just maybe they, they just like being at home and they just have a little bit of a delayed. Did you, did you listen, <laughs> America's family pre-scandal pre was the Cosbys, right? Uh-huh. Doctor, lawyer. Mm-hmm. All kids went to college, right? They never got rid of them damn kids. <laughs> That's they true. They were still living in the house with their own family. That is true. That is the reality. My parents. Mm-hmm. Well, if we're that's still the case, in my parents' house sometimes. If that's the case, then leave the kids there and y'all go away. <laughs> that's what made I me. Told, I told Val already. I said, listen, I can't have anything nice in our house now because the kids just yeah. fuck everything up. Like furniture, you don't get anything expensive, nothing cute because no. it needs to just be functional and durable. But I told Val yeah. that I would like for us, I aspire to have an all-white penthouse rooftop situation somewhere in some city, Y'all maybe Miami or face. something, but I want to have one of those She's spoiled. where the kids never come. I'm accustomed to a certain way of life. I want to have one of those where the kids won't even know we have it, but that's going to be our own little like space. That's going to be all white and I can have everything nice and, and, and white and fancy and yeah, and the kids never go there. So yeah. Okay, baby. <laughs> Whatever you want. There you go with there you go All with I'm gonna say, boys. sis, get get your husband. And then dude, get your dude, husband. Listen to your, and, your wife, man. Yeah, y'all y'all get, together, get together. But use contraceptive though. Because <coughs> if if y'all if y'all going seven, eight, bro, it's a wrap for you, bro. Uh, yeah. So then you really have are you really gonna be in the house? Y'all, kids she for a she long seemed time. fertile. She seemed fertile and you seem potent. So <laughs> y'all loved each other enough during that time to have six kids. So right. find each other, get that love back. There you go. All right. People if just have to learn to be honest. And and that's that's you know what? That's my big takeaway moment of truth Mm -hmm. is if you're honest and you live 100% in your truth, Mm -hmm. there is no wrong in how you live your life because you give the people around you the opportunity to make choices. You see what I'm saying? I see. If I decide at some point that, hey, I don't want to live like this no more and I'm honest with you, Mm -hmm. 
and I say, this is what I want to do, you then have a choice. Right. If I'm going to deceive you, then that's wrong. So I have a choice to like shackle you to my bed and never let you go? Well, then you taking away my choices. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> you have no choices here, Deval. Okay? It sounds good, but no, See, I get what you're that's, saying. <laughs> that's why I get what you're get saying. Married. I get what you're saying. Absolutely. No, that's a great moment of truth. And I think, that, I mean, it rings true in any relationship. Yes. Any relationship. That's with your parent, with your child, with yes. your spouse, with your coworker. Um, being really honest. Yeah, you're right. You can't fault people for the way they feel. Yes, I mean, you know can. what I mean? And um, it's, time, it's time to be open. Like, right. it, it, it's time to be open about relationships. We, we want to be open about everything else in the world. We want to be open about, about gender. We want to be open about religion. We want to be open about politics. But then when it comes to relationships, people get very, very defensive. You know, mm-hmm. like, oh, it's this way or the highway. To be open. Mm-hmm. Be open and be honest. But that's the most important thing. Be honest. Yep, absolutely. I guess my moment of truth um, in this whole thing, I can it boils down to me and you. Like my moment of truth is that I will now, if I haven't before, um, work to see you more. And I think that's super, super necessary um, in a relationship, especially an intimate relationship. So much more, I feel like, can be smoother with life, um, with the daily day ins and day outs. If sometimes you just take moments to have that level of intimacy, whether mm-hmm. it's just like looking at each other in the eyes or embracing for a while or yeah. just being completely tuned in, like phones off, I you know, you. no distraction. Like I would love more of that for us. And I think that that little exercise awakened something in me to the point where I was like texting this dude over the weekend because he had to leave to head back to film. Yeah. And I was like, I miss you so much. Like, mm-hmm. I can't wait to see you again. It's almost like I fell in love with you again in that moment, if you that did. makes sense. You did. And then you came home and fell asleep while we were watching TV. When? Last night. That, no, but not, not prior night before, to the night before. The night before you were asleep too. I was? Yes. My bad. I was jet lagged. But tonight, <laughs> I got you tonight. <laughs> but I was just so happy to see you though. When I saw you, it was just like... I was happy to see my baby. I was happy to have you back. So my moment of truth is that I am going to be more present and I encourage everybody I to be more present. Um, and yeah, and hold me accountable because, you know, I be saying shit sometimes and the shit don't be happening. I know. <laughs> and then last you be over night, me. <laughs> last night. Woke up this morning over you. I'm sorry. I was jet lagged. I promise. I'm good now. I'm <laughs> but no, listen, coffee. thing is, I appreciate it though. You saying be more present. Yeah. And be honest. If we do that, then we can make this shit work. I think we could. Be more present and be honest. Moment, that's what we came away with it, man. If you want to be, if you want to be your person's weekend, you want to be their escape. On the weekend. Be present and be honest. Go. All right. And make sure that you follow us on social media. That's I am Deval. And Kadeen I am and Instagram. If, and if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, be sure to rate and review because we love to hear feedback, what you like, and what we can improve on. And don't forget to hit that subscribe button. That way we can do a new episode and automatically downloads to your phone. Dead ass. Dead ass. Deadass is a production of Stitcher. It's produced by T-Square and Denora Pena. Our associate producers are Kristen Torres and Tribble. Our studio engineers are Brendan Burns and Andy Christensdotter.
All right, now, folks, if you missed our first live show at Essence Fest, have no fear. We've got two more coming up. You knew we were going to do more. We'll be in Philly at Underground Arts on Thursday, November 21st, and in Brooklyn, New York, at the Bell House on Friday, November 22nd. That's right. Philly and Brooklyn stand up. So get your tickets now at deadasspodcast.com. Do not wait before these tickets sell out. Brooklyn! We're back. I'm Drew McGarry. And I'm David Roth. We have a podcast going on right now as part of the Stitcher Network called The Distraction. That's available everywhere you get your podcast at uh, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple. Go listen right now to The Distraction. Right now. It's out. Do it, please.